A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Podcast co-hosts, both lacking dignity, in fair cancel too soon, where we cast our pod. Hello everybody, my name is William Bibiani, <laughs> I'm a film critic for The Rap, Bloody Disgusting, and IGN, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, I too am a film critic. Yes. Yeah, sometimes. Cool. Sometimes a film critic, and uh, boy howdy. We got a good one for you today. I'm this is a, too soon. This was, this was a heck of a show. I don't know how this flew so much under our radar. Last year on Cancel Too Soon, where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less, uh, we reviewed a very short-lived uh, basic cable series called Will. Mm-hmm. And it was the story of William Shakespeare, the guy who invented the prequel. Um, the, the the young William Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and uh, it was the season we covered was the beginning of his career up through Richard the Third. Yeah, it was the first season. That's all mm-hmm. we ever did. Yeah, uh, and that tried to take William Shakespeare and make him hip, like make play- him cool. Lots of orgies. Lots of drugs, drugs lots and of intrigue and, and torture and Mar- Marlowe and hires a bunch of like. Boys to stand around him, hand on, hands on a hard body style, while he gets all horny and yells into the sky, "Inspire me! Inspire me!" When William Shakespeare goes mm. to London in that show, mm. they actually play the Clash's "London Calling," just in case you didn't get it. Uh, it, it was, and uh, the point is, it's a pretty terrible show. <laughs> it is a pretty terrible show, but we were really excited to review it because Whitney and I both love William Shakespeare. Mm. Uh, we're both big fans. Uh, read a lot of Shakespeare, watched a lot of Shakespeare. Um, Whitney even more so than I He's even more well versed <laughs> First um, But uh, we were pretty stoked To review a show that was A contemporary show That tried to make Shakespeare fun And uh, somehow another show Quite like it completely slipped by us On on basic network TV yeah, I don't know It was, it was a short lived It only lasted seven episodes mm. uh, Sort of summer Slated show. This this show aired on ABC from May 29th through July 29th in 2017, while the podcast existed. And yeah, we just I don't know how we missed it because I would have as soon as I found out what this show was about, I was like, how have we not done this show? This show is everything now. <laughs> if we if we had known about it while it was on, we would have waited for it to be canceled because we knew it would have been. There's no market for it. It's pretty spectacular. <laughs> Uh, we're reviewing a show 
that suggests that the most interesting part of Romeo and Juliet is what happened after William Shakespeare's play. Mm-hmm. It is a little show called Still Star-Crossed. You came. I'm here. I love you. I love you. Shakespeare gave us Romeo and Juliet. This is madness. You don't approve of this union. I do not. Nor do I. And the legendary tale of forbidden love. Oh, Lord, have pity on the souls of Romeo Montague and Juliet Capulet. But where this tragedy ends, an even greater story begins. The curse on the house of Montague! Verona is burning. We must have peace, no matter the cost. By royal decree, I, Aeschylus, royal prince, do herefore order the marriage of Rosalind Capulet and Benvolio Montague. Our city's survival depends upon it. Now, it's not Romeo and Juliet who are still star-crossed because we know what happens to them, and it happens in the first episode of the show. Yep. We meet up, we catch up with Romeo and Juliet while they're still alive, but headed down the doomed path. We, yeah, well, what happens is... We kind okay. of speed through their marriage, through the, the suicide plan. Mm. The one thing that really pisses me off is, okay, so Romeo has the poison, he thinks Juliet's dead, he takes the poison, he dies, Juliet wakes up, and she stabs herself, and she dies, and that's a big tragedy. Yep, sucks. In this one, she doesn't stab herself. She She takes more of the drug that made her... Uh, like fall into a coma. Like she still had. Was the it the same drug? Her. I thought it was the drug that Romeo got to kill himself. Because what happens mm. in the? If you're unfamiliar with Romeo and Juliet, stop the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, read really, it if you just, have to. Watch. There's a lot of good productions out there. Rest in peace, Franco Zeffirelli. Uh, uh, yeah. Rest in complicated Franco Zeffirelli. Mm. If you actually know about his personal life, but mm. he made a very good adaptation mm. of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, d- truly. Really great movie. Like, it's like say, the, it's like the standard Romeo. And say Juliet what you will film. about the guy, but the the movie yeah. was was particularly good. Uh, the Baz Luhrmann version is dumb, but I enjoy it. It's it, it's very much of its time. Yes, it is. If you were into like that MTV aesthetic in the late nineties, it's mm-hmm. right up your alley. Baz Luhrmann said, "We're going to do William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. We're going to keep all of the original language, but we're going to set it in like modern T- day Venice, California, or like yeah. Tijuana, or something like that. It's all really just elaborate. A lot of Hawaiian shirts and guns, and it's mm-hmm. just absolutely ridiculous, but a heck of a lot of fun." Um, but, the plot of Romeo but and that, Juliet. But she takes the poison and doesn't stab herself. Okay, hang on. Cause what, well, no, because what happens in the play? Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick primer in case anyone is like hazy on Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And only knows well. the bullet point. Romeo and Juliet is a play about uh, Romeo Montague and Juliet Capulet. They are from warring families, not on like the Hatfields mm-hmm. and McCoys, uh, and they fall in love. They meet sort of surreptitiously. They fall in love on the down low. She's 13, he's 16. They're, they're kids. They're, but at the time, yeah. that wasn't too unusual that they get married. She was already in an arranged marriage or getting ready to be in an arranged marriage with another guy. Uh, so they fall in love. They decide to get married. And rather than tell anyone about it, like smart people would, they decide to keep it a secret just in case tragedy could strike and we'd all learn a valuable lesson. So that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romeo uh, gets into the middle of a big duel with Juliet's brother or cousin. 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 Tybalt, yeah. 
Uh, he's basically on the hook for murder. Also, another guy dies as well, and it totally sucks. And uh, well, what what ha- Tybalt kills Mercutio, and Romeo gets so pissed off that he kills Tybalt. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Juliet decides, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to team up with this uh, friar dumbass, and we're going to fake my death. I'm going to drink this potion that fakes death. And instead of telling Romeo about, about it before we do that, we're going to tell him afterwards, maybe, because we're going to outsource that job to some guy who cannot be trusted, apparently, to deliver a <laughs> fucking note. <laughs> I hate that guy. The guy is the worst villain in all of Shakespeare. Is the guy who slow walks that fucking note. Uh, you watch the Franco Zeffirelli version, and, the, and like, yeah, there's a, a, a shot on the road of the guy carrying the note, like on a donkey, he's just sort of walking down the road. Like he's just like and remember those, like all the the significant characters are racing past on horses. Yeah, like yeah. Romeo was like racing past the guy with the letter to tell Romeo everything's fine, don't kill yourself. Mm. As that guy's just like walking like two feet per minute, <laughs> like just oh the donkey is bored. I'd better groom him for a bit. Stop it! Deliver the note! In Baz Luhrmann's version, it's like FedEx screwed up. Like, they tried to update it. (laughs) There's a line of dialogue, I will send this letter post-haste, and it turns out, like, the FedEx company is called, like, post-haste delivery. Isn't that adorable? Isn't it just? Yeah. Um, anyway, Romeo thinks Juliet has died. Romeo gets a bunch of poison and decides to kill himself, because why live anymore? Because he's a teenager and he's dumb. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then he kills Juliet's, like... Intended. Intended, a guy named Paris. This part, that part is often cut out of the movie adaptations, because that character's kind of a non-entity. Well, yeah, Paris doesn't have a lot with Juliet. Yeah, he's not much of a character. And then he just sort of shows up at the tomb entrance, like, just sort of hanging out at Juliet's tomb. Well, he's sad. He was gonna marry her, you know? Yeah, but... He's kind of bummed out. The, but, Paris yeah. is important to the show, which is why we're making a big point of him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kills Paris, and then he drinks the poison, and then as he's dying, he Juliet wakes up. No, he's dead already. Well, depending the on the pl- version. I've seen the, versions where he's oh, well, like... In, in the play, he dies, and then Juliet wakes up. And that's, the tragedy is they don't even get a final moment I, together. I actually really like the moment, in because Baz Luhrmann, what he did was, mm-hmm. he made Romeo oh, like, God. drink the poison, and then he's, Juliet wakes up thinking, oh, good, Romeo is here, and everything's going to be fine. What? Romeo? What, ha- Romeo? No, what happens in Baz Luhrmann's version, it's like e- even more melodramatic because he has the, the vial on his lips. He uh-huh. hasn't drunk it yet. And Juliet has already woken up. He's like sad. He's uh-huh. about to take the poison. And she looks up and sees him there. Like he's facing away. And oh. as she strokes his cheek from behind, his gasp inha- he inhales and he inhales the poison. That's a great the, beat. Oh. That's a great tragic beat. I like the way Baz Luhrmann uh, played it's, that. It's it's so, melodramatic as fuck. Of yeah. course, it is. it's Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. and uh, so Ro- Juliet, seeing mm-hmm. that Romeo has killed himself, uh, decides to kill herself too. Because at this point, why the hell not? And so they do. Mm-hmm. And then the prince basically looks at the Capulets and the Montagues and just says, "Y'all fucked up." Mm-hmm. And so we're all just peace, peace everywhere now from now on. Oh. And then we all assumed that mm-hmm. at that point everyone would be so ashamed of what happened to Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet that peace would reign in the mm-hmm. fair city of Verona where we lay our scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the from plot ancient, is, from ancient grudge break to new mutiny. Where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth be, the fatal okay. loins of these two foil, I can do the whole thing. I know you can. <laughs> uh, the plot of Still Starcrossed is actually a pretty straightforward concept. Mm. It gets really melodramatic well, the, and ridiculous, but the basic idea mm. is 
after Romeo and Juliet died, it wasn't just like peace was declared. It was really complicated, mm. and it was still a ton of leftover animosity and a lot of political shenanigans as they tried to just settle everything down mm. and and force the capitals of Montagues to get along. And so it basically becomes yeah. this really complicated, you know, Renaissance parlor room thing. But it it com- it contradicts what they say in the prologue to Romeo and Juliet. Mm. So do do uh, to a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life as misadventures piteous orthros do with their death bury their parents strife but they don't bury their parents strife they just spark a civil war well they don't bury this it is, right away it took a few months uh, yeah i guess so yeah. this this takes place during those few months so yeah. like i buy that it didn't happen right away mm. Uh, another character we didn't really mention is Mercutio. He's uh, Romeo's cousin, uh, Romeo's cousin, and he was just sort of there, instigating a lot of action. He was just sort of a person Romeo could talk to. Well, the and idea depending of Mercutio on the is that staging, he was a, he was a tragic figure who really wasn't involved yeah. in the feud. He was like an artist. He was very concerned with fanciful ideas and poetry. Mm. And the fact that he was killed in this mutiny made it extra ridiculous because he didn't want to be part of it. Yeah. Like he was actually friends with Capulets as well. He was actually so, bridging the gap. He is one of the main characters of this show. No, he's not. Mercutio? Not Mercutio. Um, ben sorry, Benvolio. Benvolio. Yeah, ben- Benvolio. Did I say Mercutio? You said, meant- you said ben- Mercutio. Oh, I meant ben- no, no. Benvolio. Benvolio is a very minor character mm. in uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. He's basically the guy Romeo can talk to. For yeah, a bit that's... to talk about how he was in love with a woman mm. named Rosalind, mm. and that didn't work out very well. And now he's going to meet this Juliet lady, and it's going to be great. The pl- uh, still star-crossed stars an actor mm. named Wade Briggs from a show called Please Like Me as Benvolio, and it stars Lashana Lynch from Captain Marvel and the upcoming uh, James Bond movie, and also the Why the Last Man TV series. So mm. she's blowing up. Uh, as Rosalind. Rosalind Capulet. Rosalind, who it, she's mentioned in the script. There's mm-hmm. She has no scenes in the play. No, she's not, but, she's not uh, shown at all. Depending on uh, how they stage it, sometimes she appears in productions. Like, she's on screen in Zephyrus. She, she's, she's there to represent, mm-hmm. you know, here's who he was in love with before. Yeah. And she actually provides, this is actually something pretty clever about, they talk about this in Shakespeare in Love. Mm-hmm. They talk when he's trying to coach someone to play Romeo. It's like, no, you can't, the whole point is you're into Rosalind, but we see how he is about some other lady, and then when we see how he is with Juliet, we realize this love is true. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we have no context for yeah. his love for Juliet. That's what Rosalind existed for in the play. She was basically a plot device. Mm. Um, here, she takes center stage. Mm. Uh, they never talk about her having any sort of romance with Romeo. Whatever. But in this one, they arrange it. I'm glad. They, unfortunately, they kind of did end up pushing it in this direction, but. They put her, she is Juliet's cousin, mm-hmm. Benvolio's Romeo's cousin. Yeah. So they're in real a really similar situation, and through a lot of plot machinations, they end up becoming betrothed. Yeah. Uh, because as it turns out, we get to know a lot about the Montagues and the Capulets as families. Which it I actually kind of like. I, and you know what? They thought it out. They did. I appreciate all... It's when they're not doing Shakespeare references that this show is actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> in terms of, like, thinking out sort of like an ancient feud and what this these families mm. might have been like. The Capulets, mm-hmm. who is... Uh, Lord Capulet is played by... Uh, What's-his-face from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Anthony Stewart Anthony Stewart Head. We also ran into him on the show's Guilt and VR5. That's right. Yep. Uh, and the Capulets are, like, old money, but they're broke. 
And yeah. they have this uh, uh, cathedral that's been constantly under construction for generations and is not complete as a symbol of like sort of how their fortunes have stymied. Uh, meanwhile, the Montagues, all dressed in red, are... led by Gr- uh, Lord Montague, played by Grant Bowler from mm-hmm. Atlas Shrugged. Oh, that's why he was the, familiar. The first Atlas Shrugged. The first Atlas yeah. Shrugged. Yeah, he looked really familiar. Um, they're new money, and but they're also under dura- under like political duress. Well, we find out eventually that the mm-hmm. Capulets used to like work for the Montagues. Like, they actually toiled the fields, and then they finally came into their own fortune, and that might be... But there's, some like, of the, generations That's generations behind, ago. Yeah. They talk about generations of conflict, and you're right. Those feel like they really thought that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, we're with uh, Prin- the Prince, who, mm-hmm. who is a character in the play. He's the one who comes in and just says, hey, guys, knock it off, and then at the end says, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot to... Because the whole point is, mm-hmm. this is about him trying to... Verona is basically a two-family town. Everyone mm. either is part of or works for mm. either the Capulets or the Montague. So it is in the prince's best interest to n- mm. keep, n- stop the feud, keep everyone happy, is, and they yeah. just refuse to stop fighting. It's, and it's, it's annoying. A, it's a gang-torn city-state. Yeah. And well, they treat we get them to, like two corporations that run everything here a little bit. A, a little Well, I mean, if you look at like sort of the, the Medici's, for instance, yeah. or you know, one of the ruling families of, of old Italy... It's it, uh, they're trying to stage it sort of like in that, and there's also talk of how uh, Venice and other Italian city states might invade and sort of expand their borders. Mm. Um, I'm as surprised, if, as I'm if we never met any merchants from Venice personally. Like they, sh- they, t- uh, they talk so... about Padua, they talk about Mantua, like they talk about all these like yeah. cities that Shakespeare obviously never went to <laughs> when he was writing about. <laughs> he was Italy, writing yeah. about them, but he, he'd Look, seen them on a map somewhere. He, he wrote a play about Denmark, and there were characters' names like Bernardo and Reynaldo in Denmark. It's like, <laughs> okay. Sh- I understand you're well-read, Shakespeare. Maybe read a little more. <laughs> read a map, for goodness sake. <laughs> well, say. it kind of torpedoes the whole idea that Shakespeare was actually, like, super well-educated. And he was really world-traveled. That's why we know it couldn't have been really William Shakespeare. Like, no, he made a lot of dumb mistakes. Um, <laughs> he, got, he got geography wrong. Like, basic geography. All right, so we'll get into the the actually kind of complicated soap opera machinations of the plot in a minute. But let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's get some... Uh, Let's get some basic factoids uh, worked out. This is based on a novel called Still Starcrust by a writer named Melinda Taub. Mm. Uh, she writes for shows or has produced shows like Full Frontal with Samantha B. Okay. So she clearly has a sense of humor. Uh, she also has worked on the show uh, Adam Ruins Everything, of which I am mm. a big fan. Okay. Are you familiar with that? No. Uh, it's basically a, an informational comedy show that's about uh, all the things that we don't think about mm. uh like the mm. illusion of security mm. like the idea that oh well we have our credit cards and when we sign something someone at the bank is actually going to pay attention to that no <laughs> they're not their their solution to cybersecurity is if you if someone sees that someone hacked your account mm. they'll do something about it yeah that's basically all it is it's not actual <laughs> security it's it's kind of disillusioning but ultimately every episode ends hopefully it's on netflix it's a really I think it's a really positive show. Nice. Because it gets us thinking about stuff we don't think about enough. So I, I really like all that stuff. The so, producer is Heather Mitchell, uh, who worked on shows like Scandal and Grey's Anatomy. Uh, this is uh, a Shondaland production, so some of the people who made those shows. Oh. Um, also, she's working on an upcoming... I'm to be listed as a TV movie. I'm not sure if it's a pilot or not, but she's they're doing a, a new version of The Lost Boys, directed by Catherine Hardwick. 
Lost Boys. Like Peter Pan or Lost Boys vampires? Vampires. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is fine. Sure. Cool. Whatever. I'm sure it'll be fine. No. Um, anyway, uh, well, and uh, yeah, the, the main characters are Benvolio and Rosalind. And uh, the connective material we actually haven't mentioned uh-huh. <laughs> yet um, is one of the actors from The Lone Gunman mm-hmm. is sort of our connective bond to Chris Carter Month, which we just came off of. Yeah. And ra- since we couldn't get a hold of, like, a lot of Chris Carter's failed shows... I wonder what the conspiracy is. Why are they hidden? Uh, <laughs> Probably because they suck. Is it, is, it the, is it that they suck, or is there something more deep than that? No, he, it's because they suck. He wrote multiple um, shows and or pilots about poor people who move into rich towns and marry into rich families. Like, you wrote, like, yeah. four of those. It's really weird. He had a wheelhouse. I guess. Uh, but uh, Zuleika Robinson, who played um, Eve... On that show, uh, plays uh, the lone gunman, and the lone gunman plays yeah. Lady Capulet here. Uh, yeah, and she gets mm-hmm. the, she gets a really juicy part. She gets to really ham it up. Mm-hmm. So good for her. All right, so the pilot episode uh, of St- uh, Still Starcross it takes most of the episode to get through Romeo and Juliet. We are seeing mm-hmm. it not through Romeo and Juliet's perspective. They actually have very little screen time. Mm-hmm. It opens with their marriage. It opens with Benvolio and Rosalind meeting and going. This is stupid. I agree. This is stupid. Cool. Well, they're the first time we see uh, Benvolio and Rosaline meet at the wedding. Yeah, when well, Romeo that, Juli- as far Romeo as we know, anyway, Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Are, no, they introduce each other themselves. I assume they've seen each other at social gatherings. Perhaps, <laughs> maybe so. Yeah. Well, of course, Benvolio did make reference. Uh, there sups the fair Rosaline, whom thou so loves, and all the, the celebrated beauties of Verona. Um, so yeah, so he's aware of her. Yeah. Well, Romeo had a thing for her at least, so yeah. he's aware of her at least a little mm. bit. So they meet. They agree this whole marriage thing is stupid. Mm. Um, meanwhile, Juliet is betrothed to this Paris guy. Yada yada yada. Romeo and Juliet die, mm. and Rosalind. They, they really elaborate on Rosalind. A lot here. And we find out that Rosalind and her sister Livia, played by Ebony Noel from FBI mm. and the failed pilot for the new Tremors series, which we're trying to track down. If anyone knows <laughs> where that is, let us know. Uh, they, I, I liked her a lot. I like I liked yeah. her as an actress and I liked her character as well. The, both of those actors mm-hmm. are really good. Um, so they are Juliet's cousins, but their father died and the Capulet family, mm-hmm. you know, Anthony Stewart Head and company, they took them in, but they took them in like an asshole would because they stripped them of their titles and just kept them on as servants, servants who are allowed yeah. to talk back. Like, that's basically mm. all they got. And uh, Lady Capulet, played by... Uh, uh, like a Robinson. Zuleika Robinson. Uh, outwardly hates their guts. Mm. Like, just hates them. Like, resents them being here, thinks they're treating them too well. And, and that, that Rosalind and Livia are black also adds this kind of racial element to it. Yeah, this Even show though is, it, it's yeah. more or less colorblind otherwise. The show is full of people of color, mm. and that's actually really refreshing. Mm. Uh, I've seen that. I noticed the BBC started doing that more with period piece shows yeah. uh, than Americans did, and it's nice to see us finally catching up a bit. Well, like, you'll and, notice and like that show Merlin, which was like Smallville, but with King Arthur. <laughs> like, uh, like... Lady Guinevere, black and never a plot point. Yeah. Because, actually, if you talk to historians, there was a lot of people of color throughout Europe. Yeah. They, like, throughout the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, like, all over the place. Especially was, in the big was, cities, yeah. yeah we, we only think there weren't because white people made all those movies. <laughs> that's the only reason. With, with other white people. Yeah. yeah, like, that's the only reason that that's the mm. image we have in our head. Like, the problem is that image, not mm. this new one. So, uh... 
Yeah, so there's there's a lot of people of color throughout the cast. It's hardly ever a plot point, but when the whole oh, servant did, thing comes did, in, it does yeah. feel like it's subtext. Did you catch who played Tybalt in the pilot? No. It was Shazad Latif who uh, plays Ash Tyler on Star Trek Discovery. Oh. Ash Tyler on Star Trek Discovery, who is uh, the human who it turns out was like a brainwashed Klingon sleeper agent who had been surgically transformed. I only and, saw the pilot. Oh, never mind then. That's a that's a plot point later Spoiled. in the Spoiled. Uh, Our no, entire no, Star it's... Trek podcast is canceled now. Thanks for that. We can't watch any other no, Star we're Trek done. shows. We only got four or five episodes. Because we know Ash Tyler partway through the first season of Discovery. Stop cementing it in my brain. <laughs> Stop teaching me his name. <laughs> Bastard. As a Klingon, he was Volk. Damn it. <laughs> but Volk and Ash Tyler are the same person. You monster. Um so at the end of the first episode, mm. uh Romeo and Juliet are dead. Everything's coming into a real heated boil. And the prince summons Rosalind and Bonvolio and says, Okay, Romeo and Juliet died. Someone desecrated a statue dedicated to Juliet, uh, uh, calling her a harlot because mm-hmm. that no one knows that they were married. Wait, wait, slow down. Somebody desecrated Juliet's grave. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. <laughs> and in the next what? episode, they desecrate Romeo's corpse. Yeah. The whole corpse. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, not, not just the statue. And so the prince says, uh, Rosalind, technically, you're a lady of the Capulet household. I don't know what the fuck's up with this whole servant thing. It's really fucked up. But we're just going to uh, graduate you to lady status back mm. again. And you're going to marry Ben Volio. And that is going to be the love that unites mm. everybody because it should have been Romeo and Juliet. Well, and that that's a new wrinkle, that the marriage of Romeo and Juliet was intended to unite the houses. Yeah, it turns they, out Lord Capulet yeah. had actually been working with the, uh, is it the Friar? Was, it, was a, it was the Friar, uh, yeah. yeah the, Friar, the, Friar Lawrence. Yeah, Friar Lawrence. He'd been working with Friar Lawrence, like, mm-hmm. under, under the cover, just, just inching them along. Like, he knew he couldn't, like, force the marriage, but... Oh my God, Luca! The cats are making a lot of noise today. Luca, stop it, buddy! But uh, yeah, he was he was behind it all. He was like funding the marriage. He was like behind everything. And at first, when I heard that, I thought, "Oh, that's kind of clever." And then I thought about it for three seconds, and I realized how dumb that is because the whole thing is stupid. Once they're married, you tell everybody. It's like Doctor Strangelove all over again. You tell everybody, otherwise, what's the point? They were, they were waiting for the big G four summit. Um, so, uh, as you can imagine, neither Rosalind nor Benvolio, who in this show is portrayed as kind of a doof. Like not yeah. not not a bad person, but just a shiftless layabout. Can't be trusted with any responsibility. Mm. You know, like just just rich kid who's never had any adversity and never had to grow up, and all of a sudden he's being asked to marry this lady he doesn't like. I'm really su- really surprised at the restraint that they didn't give him like a false staff or literally false staff mm. to hang around with. Yeah, actually. Mm. Because yeah. he's kind of like Prince Hal and Henry the Fourth. I think the type. idea is that Benvolio was the Falstaff. Uh, well, like he was the dumb but, guy. He was the guy. He was the party guy that Romeo hung out with. But you know, he wasn't like sort of the the blowhard coward like Falstaff. He was no. But you see what I mean, though. They serve yeah. similar functions. And, and he spends a lot of time at uh, at brothels, and he has uh, has fallen in love with one of the ladies therein. Yep. Uh, so he's, and both Rosalind and Benvolio want none of this. Benvolio believed in love. He wanted to fall in love with the person he met. And I love that his dad is just like, no. You don't get to do that. You don't get yeah. to do that. You can, listen, you marry whoever we tell you to. Then you, you have, a, as long as you have a son, 
then have sex with whoever you want. You never have to see your wife again. That's how it works. That's how it works nowadays. No one expects you to fall in love. You just fall in love with someone outside the marriage. You know, like a person. <laughs> and then I, what's weird is that uh, 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 Rosalind actually wants to get thee to a nunnery. Or get he, her, he. Herself. Herself to the nunnery. <laughs> <laughs> Not every quote works, uh, and uh, and I love what she says. It's just like, yes, I want the freedom. I want the freedom of living in a nunnery. And I'm like, I don't think you've been sold on exactly how nunneries work. <laughs> uh, there is a certain. I mean, there's a but, lot of history about women who escaped uh, or, or or thrived like outside of their various families because nunneries they weren't expected to get married. There was a certain. Uh, uh, there was a certain freedom to there, but like the idea that she was just going to have free reign as a nun. Probably not 100% accurate. Well, and also, it's eventually revealed that she doesn't want to marry uh, ben, Benvolio because she is in love with somebody else. Yes. And it turns out... At the end of the pilot. At the end of the pilot, that she and the prince have been having an affair. Well, they wanted to. What happened was, when they were a little younger, uh, the prince... When, when, back when she was still a lady-in-waiting. Uh, prince Aeschylus, by the way, is yeah, the, the prince's uh, name. Played by uh, Sterling Suleiman from Pretty Little Liars. Mm. Uh, yeah. Before times her dad died and times were bad, uh, she and the prince looked like they were going to fall in love and, and maybe even get married. And then his dad put a stop to that. And the reason why... it's Actually, that's a pretty good match. But... If you marry a Capulet, the Montagues are going to try to kill everybody. Right. So we cannot show favoritism. We cannot marry into one of their houses. That cannot happen. It would throw all of Verona into chaos and bloodshed. And he does have a point. There's a lot of talk okay, in this okay. show about like the, what like people in power, and particularly what royals have to do and what they have to sacrifice mm. in order to keep the peace with a bunch of unreasonable people. When the show plays its politics, it's very strong. It's not bad. <laughs> it's when it makes the Shakespeare references, weirdly enough, that it begins to falter. All of the shakes, all of the uh, episode titles are Shakespeare quotes, but only one of them is from Ro Romeo and Juliet. The, yeah. the, the pilot is called In Fair Verona Where We Lay Our Scene, which is from Romeo and Juliet. All the others are quotes from other plays. Yeah. Like Hamlet, I think Macbeth's no, like the, in there. The, the course of love never did run smooth. That's from A Miserable Night's Dream. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the last episode is is a Macbeth reference. Um, oh, oh, hold on, let's let's still start. I didn't write down the episode titles. Oh, it was called Something Wicked This Way Comes, which is yeah, yeah which was from Macbeth. Which is from Macbeth. Uh, There's a uh, a really good one, a really good quote. Uh, Hell is empty, and all the devil is he are here. Mm. I forget what that one's from. Uh, that's. Uh, uh, the Tempest. Okay. The Tempest. Yeah. So yeah. it's good stuff mm. uh, in the titles. The show. Yeah. Here's the thing with the show. The show is from the start and frankly, straight up to the end, like aesthetically, like a real mixed bag. Like it's way, it, it's got like some good sets. There's some actually really attractive like churches and like real mm -hmm. locations that they filmed in. There's also some that are obviously like, sets with green screens and when the camera moves the green mm. screen wobbles a bit so it doesn't really track right and that's yeah. kind of cheap um it, it the costumes like... i cannot tell what time period they're supposed to be in some like Ro anthony stewart head is wearing like a three-piece suit in one in one episode i don't know what the hell as the episode as the show goes along uh the costumes kind of ch change a little bit like they codify yeah. into something a little bit more 
fantastical. Yeah, a little, a little like looser. They, they, they started know. trying to look a little bit authentic, and then they just gave up partway through. Which happens. Which yeah. happens. That the, I, I can accept that. Now, Romeo and Juliet, I think, is supposed to take place, if I remember my... Uh, annotations correctly mm. it was supposed to take place like in the late 1100s early 1200s mm. but th- like during the re- like the renaissance maybe somewhere around there right um but this doesn't i don't think it's the show takes place in the renaissance the show never tells you because the show is is well let's be honest the show is making all this shit up well yeah like that's the whole thing by by trying to incorporate the events of Romeo and Juliet into actual Italian politics, you realize that, yeah, we're in complete fantasy land. And in fact, by the end of... Verona is a real city. By the end of the series, oh. there is a really excellent chance, one of the things that isn't resolved by the end, because, mm-hmm. you know, it was canceled before its time. That's the whole reason why we're reviewing it. There might be ghosts. Yeah. There might be ghosts. We, we do see one ghost. Well, as far as we can tell, it's a ghost. Yeah. Um so the plot gets really kind of complicated and soap operatic. So doing this episode by episode is kind of tricky. So well, so yeah, we'll take take you through the general thrust. So okay. like, so each, let's, let's each focus character. on Rosalind and Benvolio. They're the protagonists. Okay. So they are they are betrothed at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither of them wants it, uh, and she really is about to abscond. But then what she she, she agrees to with uh, Lord Capulet is if I go through with this, and he says, you're going to go through with it anyway. Yeah, well, if you want me to sell it, because of the entire point is that we're in love and people are going to follow our lead, you need me to be into this. If you want me to sell it, you have to make my sister a lady again. Mm. And you give her, like, prospects and, like, an opportunity. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I don't give a shit, fine. Okay, yeah. cool. So they have a big engagement, you know, announcement event party. Mm. Everyone in the city is there. And when, that's and when a... And inter- ma- interrupted by Zorro. Yeah, a masked <laughs> terrorist like Arrow in the first season of, of uh, the Green Arrow TV series shows up, blows up the place, kills uh, uh, a visiting dignitary from Venice. From Venice. Yeah. And uh, and it's messed up and everything's crazy and he's like jumping on rooftops and stuff mm. and Benvolio and Rosaline are chasing him through the city like in District B-13 but not as good. <laughs> and then they find the guy and it turns out he's from one of their houses and he's working for a mystery figure. Mm. Yeah. And then it turns who, out that who that guy... Ju- who eventually starts going by the name The New Prince. Yes. There is a he new intends, prince in he town. He intends to usurp the throne. Yeah. And so uh, they spend a lot of the series trying to uncover the mystery of who is the new prince. Who is the new prince? The new prince is Prince Paris, who it turns out didn't die. Yeah, Paris was stabbed by Romeo, but nursed back to health in secret by Livia. And Lady Capulet. And Lady Capulet. It was Lady Capulet more than anybody, and the nurse from Romeo Mm -hmm. and Juliet, and then Livia discovers it and is sworn to secrecy, and then while he's being nursed back to health, Livia and it seems Prince Paris fall in love. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But then it turns out he's the main bad guy of the series. Yeah. And which, it, by the way, really changes the context of his death in Romeo and Juliet. Like goes from being like, oh, it's so sad. He really, he really didn't well, have it, nothing to do with any of this, did he? That well, kind of sucks for him. That and now it turns out he was a supervillain. Giving him that sort of motivation, though, that's one of those things that actually does enrich the text you of Romeo so? and Juliet. Well, because he's just a non-entity in the play. He's yeah. just some some goody goody that that Juliet doesn't want to marry. Uh, by having by playing up the politics between the families and really understanding the depth of the rivalry and the consequences of it, 
from a political perspective and having this usurper coming in and using his potential marriage to Juliet to sort of advance himself. It's not just he's not just after a dowry. He actually mm-hmm. has a, a greater motivation. No, like I, with by marrying into one of the main houses of Verona, he increases his legitimacy yeah. as a potential uh, prince or, or mm-hmm. king of uh, Verona. I, I, ironically, the, the characters who are not enriched by this TV show are the two leads. Uh, Benvolio and Rosaline? Yeah. I, actually, like, okay, I, don't, I don't think is, Benvolio needs this. Like, that, that sort of enrichment doesn't make his Benvolio relationship with is, Romeo. Benvolio never reveals himself to be interesting. Yeah. It's not like he never had an opportunity in the sun and now he's going to mm. uh, really sprout and, like, grow wings or whatever metaphor you want to use. Or he never wanted it and now he kind of has it and he has to yeah. deal with that. Now that he's got yeah. responsibility, he has to step up and it turns out he's pretty good at it. You could have done that and maybe they would have over time, but he's basically the same guy he was at the beginning Mm. of the season at the end of the season as he was at the beginning which is a reasonably nice doofus like you can trust (laughs) him he's he's, his word is his bond etc but um he's still kind of Mm. you know he hates the capulets and shit he's still kind of an asshole and he's he's a super hunk we do get to see him shower or gets out of a bathtub in one scene he's very hunky and uh and honestly rosalyn Rosalind, is, I'm torn because the character, I think, is written with some complexity, but I think every single thing I like about the character is because Lashana Lynch is playing her. Yeah, oh, okay. I think Lashana Lynch mm. is the bedrock <laughs> of this show. I think this is her show. Yeah. And she's fantastic. You, again, you might remember her from Captain Marvel. She played... Um, uh, Captain Marvel's girlfriend, basically Captain girlfriend. They, girlfriend. They couldn't yeah. come out and say it, but basically girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and she's good there. Mm. Here, she has a lot more to work with. She has comedy scenes. She has tragic scenes. She has conspiracy scenes. She gets a ton. Yeah, it's like it's like they knew that this actor could play anything they gave to her, so they gave her everything. <laughs> and honestly, there were scenes in the show where I was like, I don't care anything that's happening, but Lashana Lynch is making me believe it, and, and like, I cool. Mm. So, yeah. So, Rosalind, she wants out, but then she wants in, and then she wants to marry the prince, but then she doesn't want to marry the prince, because the prince is acting like a douche, because he's got it, because he's got to run the kingdom. So now she likes Benvolio, and now the prince Listen. is jealous of Benvolio, and I, the, prin- the prince, meanwhile, has to, like, start executing people for committing crimes in the street. Uh, he, uh, he, mean- he, his father, oh. who I think died, or is still alive, and just left. A little hazy on what happened to his dad. He's still called the prince, but he is in charge of everything. Yeah, he's not the king. He's not the king. I think the well, king was it's, ailing it's a, and he left. Okay. He left the Verona in the, in hand the hands of somebody. He's not yeah, technically king. Okay. Just before he left. It's the first thing we see. It's played by Hugh Quarshie from um, uh, Phantom Menace and Nightbreed. Mm. Uh, just before Who he left. Nightbreed? Uh, he was the cop? He was a cop. Oh, he was one of the cops in Nightbreed. I think he was okay. one of the cops. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway. I digress. He, uh, before he leaves, he has one last decree, and the decree is idiotic. The decree is this. Anyone accused of murder Mm. will be immediately put to death without trial. Not convicted of murder, not reliably, you know... Just accused. Just accused. To which I have to say, that's not going to stop any murders. That's going to increase murders. Whitney, I accuse you of murder. Stab. Done. Damn it. (laughs) Not a court can convict me. 
Because it's the law. Mm. It's idiotic. They're, they're trying to crack down on gang violence, and yeah. uh, and that, that seems like a bad way to go about it. I appreciate yeah. there, there's he, a potential for commentary about how a lot of the laws that are intended to crack down on gang violence, unlike the three strikes law that we have in California, where mm. uh, you know any three crimes, you but, get convicted of the same crime three times, you get a life sentence no matter what. Mm. It's a really bad law. Like it might sound okay on on, on the mm. surface, but once you look into how it actually works, it's terrible. There's even a comedy film about it called Three Strikes. Yeah, mm. it's it's really not a good system. There's something and, to be said there, but also, they're not saying it. It's just and, a stupid ass plot point. Well, and it's a, it's a plot point, but you know, Aeschylus does see that he he has to struggle with this. That he really really is determined to end the gang violence, but he doesn't really know how. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Lord Capulet and Lord Montague are fighting over. The cathedral. There's this subplot about how the Capulets are trying to build this cathedral, and if they do, their legacy will be more visible, and they will be seen as sort of the dominant family again. Mm-hmm. But then the but, Montagues find out the Capulets are broke, and mm. so they, without because the Capulets don't know this, mm. they're able to just sort of finagle it, like, oh, Benvolio and Rosalind are going to get married. Hey. That uh, that uh, chapel is about a month away from completion, right? Why don't we just have it there? Uh, yeah, we, we really can't do that. We don't know when it's going to be completed. We can wait. Nah. Which is actually kind of fun. And uh, then, it, then they manage to basically sneak in and steal the whole project. So mm. you've been working on this chapel so Mo- for that's, decades. That's the Montagues able yeah. to sneak in and steal the project. Yeah, the Cap has been working on this chapel for decades. The Montagues are going to finish it in the last month and call it theirs. <laughs> and what I love is that by the end of the series... The cap, uh, the, sorry, the Montagues are talking about it, just like, yes, this chapel will be our legacy. Did you forget you just bought it? <laughs> Did you forget you've done almost nothing? Mm. I actually love that because it's that that sort of. And there's and the people are like like the architect gets murdered oh, yeah. and they, they stage a haunting like there's all kind of, they're trying <laughs> to keep people out of this the arch- thing for so sure. Capulet, uh, uh, the architect refuses to finish the work, so mm. Capulet kills him. Uh, and then after that, uh, there's a bit of vandalism and some people die on some scaffolding. Mm. So now everyone thinks the project is haunted and no one wants to work there. So when the Montagues take over the project, they fake a miracle. They fake a... A, a, a crying a, uh, virgin statue. Yeah. yeah, so everyone will come back. And then, when that ha- and then when they start finally building it again, the Capulets burn it down. And when they're confronted about it, when they actually just say, well, you burned down the chapel. It's like... It was ours. It, it was yeah. ours. So we... It's ours to burn down if we want. <laughs> Even the prince is just like, kind of, yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the cathedral is an interesting plot point, and I think it's a good way to have a, a physical representation of the rivalry. Yeah. And uh, th- that's actually clever writing. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just say there is a rivalry or come up with some sort of contrived thing in the past, they actually had this sort of thing that they could fight over that wasn't a person or a plot point or a marriage. Well, we need, we need context. That's yeah, what we yeah. need here. If it's too insular, if it's just about Rosalind and Benvolio, because Romeo and Juliet is just about Romeo and Juliet. Everything mm-hmm. else is window dressing and setting the stage for their romance. If it doesn't apply to Romeo and Juliet, we don't see it yeah so here we need to build up the whole cast and if we're going to really spend time digging into these characters we need to know what they're really going through and why everything matters to everybody and also how it affects Mm. others like the prince and his sister Mm. uh, princess isabella played by medallion rahimi from ncis los angeles uh they are trying to keep the peace it's really fucking hard and when the uh the the new prince uh, commits a terrorist attack and kills that uh, ambassador from Venice. Mm. She has to go to Venice to appeal to the Prince of Venice. Well, what they're specifically asked 
is uh, okay. Yeah, so you, uh, our our ambassador died, and we're pretty pissed about that. There is one way out of this without war. Prince is like, great, lay it on me. And the guy says, okay. So it turns out the prince or king of Venice is a horny asshole, and if you just let him uh, <laughs> like take your sister's virginity, mm-hmm. he'll probably be fine. So the prince punches him, mm. and then his sister's just like, no, I'll I, go. But then I, she I, realizes... I can, I, can, I, can d- I can diplomacy this. I'm I, okay. Yeah. And then she goes there, and she realizes, like... She can't diplomacy this. No, no. He's really kind of marquee to like, and, like, really gross and, he's, and he's terrifying. devoted to taking her honor. Yeah. And and humiliating her. Mm. Like, he, he wants to annihilate her soul. Yeah. Which is really dark, and I think if this had been on HBO, we would have gone some really creepy places with I'm, it. I'm glad I'm, it wasn't on HBO. I'm really yeah. glad as well, just for this like whole bit, because mm. the idea of using this and the way that sexuality could be used to control people, mm. um, there's people well, in a position of power, well, she, is is something that can be really interesting as a story point. But the second it gets like, you know, sexy in uh, any way, you completely undermine the well, entire point you're trying to make. And and Isabella actually like is really cynical about it. She says, "Oh well, you you don't need to do much to appeal to a man. She just she knows how to flirt, essentially, and she's used to flirting and distracting men that she wants to have do things done for her. Yeah, and getting her way, and she doesn't realize that that's not going to work on the Marquis de Sade. Yeah." It's like, oh, you're going to flirt with me. Okay. Are you going to join the eight some or not? You know, it's. <laughs> she like walks in the first introduction. He's like got dancing, went dancing naked women in masks like around him about to do just unthinkable things. And he's just like, okay, are you, are you staying or are you, or are you going? I guess I'm going. Yeah. So she, she's in way over her head right away. And I'm, I was really pleased the way they got around this because if she had, Actually slept with him. It it would have been really gross and not a fun way to to tell the story. There's kind of no Um, way to finish that subplot mm. without her being pretty clever. And she is. And she thinks her way out of it. And I actually ended up really getting a lot of respect and liking that character Mm. more than I did earlier on in the series. It turns out, yeah, there's like a blackmail plot point. And they drop a hint that the, the king of Venice's handmaiden fell in love with her. Perhaps, yeah. Like, yeah. When they were saying goodbye, it was almost like oh, they're going to kiss, aren't they? Are they? Oh, maybe not. Mm. Okay, there's something there. Yeah. I'm not sure ABC is ready for that yet. Uh, so, okay, so that's yeah. that's what's going on there. Uh, where are we forgetting any major subplots here? I think it's most of them. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Capulets are mourning the death of Juliet. Uh, Lady Capulet is really kind of racked with suspicion, mm. like. This doesn't and make this, sense. And this, I, I can this handle... Is, this is Zuleika Robinson, and she, unfortunately, is given the least to do in this show. And she, she overplays she, it to compensate, which mm. I, I'm grateful for, but, uh, but, but it's weird. Her, her acting style doesn't match a lot of the other characters' acting style. She's swinging for the walls. Yeah. All the other characters are much more subdued, and as a result, it looks like she's doing a terrible job. No, she's I, just not acting well. I see what you mean. Yeah. Personally, I kind of saw that as a, as a welcome respite, because we've all met dramatic people, mm. uh, and I think she's one of them. She really freaking hates the Montagues. Uh, and so when and, and so she, she's really she's the one who's really gung ho about starting riots in public, and she, and she does. She wouldn't. It seems like, and she was also kept in the dark about Romeo and Juliet's marriage. Uh, oh, everyone was. Uh, yeah. ex- every, everyone was intentionally. The only person who knew and didn't tell anybody mm. was Lord Montague. Well, and also 
Fur Lawrence, yes. but also the nurse, like all and Benvolio uh, and Rosalind, like all these people knew, but Lady Capulet was in the dark. That's true. And so, so when that leads to serious problems because she, she doesn't, doesn't understand why Juliet would kill herself yeah, at such a young age, and she doesn't know that they got married or anything, or how in love she was with Romeo, and so she's trying to solve this mystery. Meanwhile, she's trying to help Prince Paris overthrow the the kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, which I appreciate that by the end of the series, she's like. Yeah, I kind of screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> she goes to her husband. It's just like, I, 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 I did something dumb and you're going to be mad. But, but outside of Verona, Paris is waiting with an army. Now, it might be my and, fault, but. And that is actually very Hamlet. Because, uh, yes. you know, they're, they're, the, the court is so busy with their little hothouse drama that they don't realize that another country is marching their entire army up the walkway. Yeah, again, and Hamlet, mm. one of the best things about Hamlet is Hamlet is rife with context. Mm. That's why Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are there, to show that, like, normal people are affected by affairs of state. Mm. And, like, all of that horrible, you know, infighting with the family and the, the, mm. the murder and the incest and the intrigue, all of that... <laughs> Just everyone fucking dies in a room. And then... Fortinbras says, well, everyone's dead. Hey, hand me that crown, will ya? Yeah, he's just like, I I was here to conquer you guys. What did you... Did I miss something? Well, well, I guess I'm in charge. And he was there to conquer them because they had been screwing up uh, at the beginning of the play. They say, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, Fortinbras, he's he's gonna come through our country to conquer something on the other side. So we'll just let his army through. Yeah. Yeah, good idea there, Claudius. <laughs> Idiot. Jeez. Stupid ass Claudius. Oh my god. Um so that's going on. Uh Paris is fighting, everyone's hurting each other. Yeah, it's it's revealed that he's been sneaking out of his sick bed and mm. you know, masquerading as Zorro. Yeah. And the big reveal is when uh Benvolio cuts his arm and mm. we get to see the cut later on. And that would have been way more effective like the reveal of Paris being alive mm. would have been way more effective if in like the previous episode we hadn't shown him like waking up after being killed. I don't know why they had that there. It's way too early for it. I think they ruined the surprise. Um, uh, it's we, minor, but it's a weird choice. They they had to sort of show how they were deviating from the end of the play. <sighs> yeah, I wish I wish they'd saved that part for mm-hmm. a little later. But anyway, um, yeah, Rosalind and Benvolio start falling for each other more. Uh, they run off to find the friar and get the full story. They do, but then the friar dies, and now they don't have any evidence. And then Prince Paris, who under the behest of the prince, Prince Aeschylus, uh, is tracking them down because everyone thinks Benvolio kidnapped Rosalind because mm-hmm. Lady Capulet hit a very important note. Uh, Benvolio is public enemy number one. He's uh, framed for murder. He's accused kidnapper. He's accused of being the new prince. Everybody thinks he's the new prince. And that's and, the thing for me. And, it's the, like, and the show all builds to his public execution. Yeah, that's the big climax yeah. is will he be publicly executed because he's been accused of murder. He's got to do that. And I love that the prince is just like, someone find me evidence he didn't do it. He's a moron. Mm. Benvolio is a moron. I don't but buy then, him being then, a conspirator. Rosaline goes to him and says no. And they say, well, we... and. This this is sort of the crux of the show. It's about trust. Who's telling the truth here? Because mm-hmm. everybody's lying. And uh, uh, Benvolio, Rosalind, and the prince all trust one another. They're the only kind of honest characters. Well, Benvo- uh, the prince doesn't trust Benvolio because he's actually jealous mm-hmm. of Benvolio. Because once oh, Rosalind, right, Rosalind is going to marry Benvolio. Once Rosalind agreed to look like she was in love with Benvolio in order to mm-hmm. save her sister, the prince saw that. And what he thought was going to be a shitty arranged marriage, he was like, oh, she's really into him? Well, mm-hmm. now I feel bad. Yeah. The only- And what happens is... The prince trusts Rosalind. 
The Rosalinds learn not to trust the prince. He's been duplicitous on multiple occasions throughout the series. She points out the only person who is actually trustworthy and has never gone back in their word in this entire series is Benvolio for all of his dumbassiness. <laughs> he's he's the only person who is actually good to his word. Mm. And that's fair. <laughs> I actually <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. I actually think it's, that's some good, there's some good morality there. Mm. Um and then all comes to a head. Uh, the the prince decides at the last minute not to kill Benvolio because if Rosalind believes him, they must, but, he must not have done it. But he can't say that publicly because he can't trust a Capulet. But then he does right at the end. He's I do well, like that he wrestles yeah. with these executions. Like, who am I to kill anybody? Yeah. And so at the end, it's like I should killing Benvolio solves all their problems. It appeases uh, the oh, Capulets yeah. who feel like they've been wronged, and the Montagues because he's a slugabed who's yeah besmirching their name. Yeah. 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 And the Montagues are sacrificing something for the state. Basically, everything will be more or less okay, except an innocent man will be killed. Mm. Except that doesn't work, because we're going to find out very quickly who the new prince is anyway, so it's a useless thing. So the prince finally, at the last minute, just decides, you know what, it's immoral, I can't do it. And in public, he frees Benvolio, and that's what he's shot by an assassin. <laughs> and there's and there's this huge, like, there's this, like, people on rooftops just firing arrows into the crowd. It's actually really fucked up. And that's when we see that the Par- that Paris is outside the city walls ready to invade. Pretty good cliffhanger, actually. And that's the end of the, sh- that's the, end of the show. That's basically the end of the show. Um, I don't think we missed anything terribly significant. No, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's only seven episodes. Yeah, it's um, a, pretty dense for seven episodes, mm-hmm. though. I'll give it that. Like, there's a lot uh, that happens. Um... And I think they did it really well. I think they played their hand really well. You actually, okay. Uh, Interesting. Because um, you look at, there's been TV shows about the Medicis, or there's a show called The Borgias, for goodness sake. Or The Tudors. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that, yeah. And the, or, or, you know, the what's the, The Tudors is the Henry VIII show, or is that a different show? Oh. I don't know. I didn't watch The Tudors. Oh, right. (laughs) There's a Henry VIII show and there's the Tudors. Well, and the Crown was there, is that a cr- thing or I don't know. One uh, of them. All, all of these shows on cable. There's that no I shortage don't watch. of cable shows about um, royalty. And the modern mold is let's look back and let's sex it up. Yeah, let's show all the the fornication and the murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's make it seem cool. And and you know, King Henry VIII isn't you know he's not. He's not sort of this big overbearing Charles Lawton guy. Now he's played by young Jonathan Rhys Myers, and he's cut and he's sexy. (laughs) (laughs) They're really trying, you know, bending over backwards to sex everything up about history. And this is a network show that sex up stuff is all a distraction. Yeah, it's an excuse. And this one is actually trying to play its politics a little bit more clearly, and Mm -hmm. I can follow everything. And I appreciated all of that, and I appreciated all of the things that they're doing that are actually trying to enrich Romeo and Juliet, taking these small characters, giving them motivations that you didn't think about, and actually giving you a new interesting way of thinking about the play. One thing I like about Uh, it is I actually really do mm. like the basic premise, and the reason why... You could listen that ad that we heard where it was just like, yeah, the greatest story ever told was just a prelude to the really great story. <laughs> that we're getting, that's a bunch of bullshit. But the, the, the conceit that you know they're they're trying to be as good as Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it, it's they're not. But because the dialogue isn't as good, what are you going to do? Uh, but I actually do appreciate it because I think we're living in an age of cynicism, yes, mm-hmm. but also a certain amount of realism where we understand that. Divides aren't healed cleanly. Yeah. At best, they leave scars. At worst, they they still can fester and get infected. And mm-hmm. so, 
right now the country is really divided and you know it's hard to imagine regardless of what side you're on it's hard to imagine any one incident no matter how dramatic smoothing it all over Mm -hmm. we might be able to call a truce for a while if there was like a common enemy you know we've Mm -hmm. seen that happen multiple times throughout history but like World War II helped us out of the Great Depression mm-hmm. because it united well, everybody and got it gave mm-hmm. a boost. That can happen, but it doesn't. It didn't actually like make it so that class divides didn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it just put a band aid on it for a while. So I kind of like the idea of taking a, a play which very much is a parable. Mm-hmm. It's very much a warning. Just basically, don't do this. Well, and and basically just saying, okay, mm-hmm. it would be more complicated than that, mm-hmm. and. In the aftermath of that, there might be good that came out of it, but there would be a lot of people mm-hmm. who would be fighting tooth and nail to go back to the way it was. And we can dramatize that, and maybe we can make it, it a little bit more believable. I appreciate all of that. Although I think the idea is there. The idea is there. The problem is that does undercut the tragedy of the play. Of course it does. Uh, it, I mean, all, all of this undercuts the tragedy of, of the Of course play. it does. Like Because it, 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 it takes all the emphasis away from Romeo and Juliet. It, it, it's, it, it cheapens a lot of that. And, and that last very dramatic speech that the prince has, you know... Um, for never were there, was there a story of more woe mm-hmm. than this of Juliet and her Romeo. Like, the, yeah. e- this is such a dramatically sad incident in the play, and mm-hmm. we get to see it dramatized with all of that sadness and death displayed in the most glorious poetry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- that's why I'm complaining that she didn't stab herself, because she's that great line, oh, happy dagger, this is thy sheath. You know, it's right. w- wonderful words. And... I suspect uh-huh. one reason that maybe well they didn't want to sh- they didn't want to show somebody stabbing themselves on camera or uh-huh. she's not dead. Oh God! See, we saw her as a ghost. <laughs> true. We saw her as a ghost. That might or be the was solution. She a, quote ghost. Well, like yeah. she she drank more of the poison that faked your own death, right? Yeah. Oh no, you're right. right. They were that's probably what they were going to do. <laughs> probably what, that's probably why they changed yeah. that. Lame. <laughs> I don't know if that's what okay, they're, so they're really, they did. That's really, they're really undercutting a lot of this. Well, they do. And the thing and is, it the, turns the, out Juliet is a warrior, but masked I, warrior. I actually think, in a funny way, something like like Still Starcross calls mm-hmm. attention to st- uh, basic story mechanics. The reason why there has never been a tale of more woe than this of Juliet mm-hmm. and the Romeo. The reason why everyone in Verona and the audience like learns a valuable lesson is because the play stops there. Yeah. If it kept going, it would be undercut. And life keeps going. Yeah. So the idea of this is the, the, my, that that's merely part of a rich tapestry. My point but is, it does undercut it. You're right. My, my point is Romeo and Juliet isn't life. It's poetry. I know. It's it's it's, it's very heightened. And, and I pre- but I, you're, I you're think kind of dragging it down a little bit and that, I agree, that's what we can, we're snickering at. I agree, but we can have another yeah. take on it. Now, yeah. there's a lot to snicker Again, right I, on the show. I, I appreciate it. The snicker stuff is painful. There's a lot of stuff on, in the show. Uh-huh. That falls flat because of budgetary reasons, or not everyone on the cast is on the same page. One of the sets looks like the Getty Villa. I, I thought it was the Getty yeah, Villa like, in, so in Malibu. There's some really fake stuff on here. The costumes are really hit and miss. Mm. Um, but and 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 frankly, just the fact that the dialogue isn't as good as Shakespeare, you can't avoid thinking about it. I, but, I know they, they that es- there's something they can do, but they did escape the really horrendous sort of teen romance angle that they could have easily gone for yeah. by turning it into yet another kind of love story right. between Rosalind and Benvolio. And what I appreciate is that 
Although in the last episode they do kiss. I hated that. <laughs> she thought he they, was going to die. It, it was it was more about their mutual respect and trust for one another than it was about anything to do with their attraction to one another. Right. They were attracted to one another. There was a little sexual tension, mm-hmm. but that was not the point. They were both in love with other people and not as Baxters. Like, they were legit in love with other people. Like, the prince... Rosalind was in love with the prince. She's not going to dump the prince well, for this Ben Uvoli. But guy. I actually kind of like... Here's what I actually kind of like about their relationship in this. Because Romeo and Juliet... Mm. That's one of the things that is always kind of... And, and I think it's in the text, but I think people gloss over it. Hmm. That wasn't true love. That was young infatuation. They barely yeah. knew each other. And here, they actually get to spend time with each other and overcome their differences and realize hmm. they can trust each other. So Rosalind and Benvolio was actually a healthier relationship that I can get behind. Than <laughs> Romeo, did they kiss maybe too soon? Maybe. He was going to die. Yeah. So she said, fuck it, I'll kiss him. Fine. Like, but like, this is something where, like, by the end of the show, however many seasons it was supposed to last, I'd be like, I buy that they'd actually have a pretty good relationship. Mm. He's kind of an idiot, but that's fine. She doesn't want someone who's going to try to take control of her. But he's reliable and kind, and they can actually make this work. And they've built up based on shared experience. Mm. They they can trust each other. That's actually healthier than most romantic relationships you see on TV. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and especially in sort of the, the teen romance, like the CW kind of romance yeah. they could have easily done. Yeah. It's called Still Star-Crossed, and I, I'm not familiar with the book at all. No, and with a mind. title like that, Still Star-Crossed, you do get that sort of YA vibe a little bit. I'm curious to and read it because it's from, again, it's from a the, comedy writer. And yeah, the, and I was going to bring that up. The, the author is a comedy writer, and I'm wondering how comedic the book was supposed to be. Mm, is it a little tongue-in-cheek, at least? Yeah. yeah. Like, the, there is a movie called, or a book, there's a movie called Hamlet 2, but there's a book yeah. called Hamlet 2, Ophelia's Revenge. <laughs> it's about how Ophelia wasn't really dead, and she was getting her revenge on all of the people who, like, turned her life upside down. Yeah, Hamlet 2 is actually about putting on a production Hamlet too. Oh, yeah, I've actually never seen it. I heard it was funny. It's quite funny. Okay, that's it has, good. It has a really excellent song that I'm surprised wasn't up for an Oscar called "Rock Me, Sexy Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm torn on this one. Okay. Uh, I will say this: if it had gone 100 episodes, mm-hmm. I'd have been slightly surprised. But if it had gone so, multiple seasons, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I would look forward to seeing how far off the rails it could have gone because I've already teased other Shakespeare stuff yeah. and I want to see like at what point did they bring in witches <laughs> at what point did they bring in yeah. like they, people well, get stranded on a deserted island with this, a wizard on it this like, is something they, how it, far do they go in the last episode Montague's sister who is a minor character in the show yeah, you he mentioned really, this, he yeah. Doesn't really, yeah turns out she might be Lady Macbeth yeah she just came from she Scotland and people Scotland. everyone thinks she's dead yeah. and she did some real serious crimes there mm, yeah <laughs> it's like oh Oh, no. And we find out that earlier... Oh, we forgot about this point. And we found out that when they were, like, several years ago, uh, Montague's sister convinced him to kill his brother, his older brother, mm. Rosalind's father. Mm. No, By, by no. pouring poison in his ear? Sorry, not Rosalind's yeah. father, Benvolio's father. Benvolio's father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bas- yeah. Mm. So, so it's already of- kind of a Hamlet-ish thing. yeah. Good stuff. This seems like one of those things where we got to see seven episodes with one showrunner, and it was canceled. I have a feeling that if if it had continued, they would have fired that showrunner, they would have hired somebody new, and it would have gotten a lot stupider a lot faster. I bet it would have been really fun, though. It would have been a lot of fun to watch it crash and burn, and we've been like throwing popcorn at the screen and you know ballyhooing everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, But 
oh, good God. Like, they were teetering on the edge of stupid, and I was relieved that it never plunged headlong into stupidity. The problem is it was... I was surprised it never plunged headlong into The problem is, is that the look of the show mm-hmm. just looks so cheap and fake. Like, it's pretty good. But they're yeah. taking it so seriously that I'm just aware enough that this is not a real set, that, this is, that you're reusing the same costumes ever ever again. I'm I've, just I've aware enough, enough that I'm having right. trouble taking it as seriously as the show wants me to. Mm-hmm. So it's always right up, which is why it was kind of okay that like one or two characters boarded on camp. Okay. Because it feels like that's part of it, but it's mm-hmm. only part. I've seen enough super cheap BBC productions of classical lit to be okay with the cheapness. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but that's the other thing is that you had to wonder, you had to wonder who's the target demo for this show? It can't be Shakespeare nerds. There aren't enough of us. Yeah, Shakespeare nerds are not legion. And also, a lot of them are going to be mad about this in principle. Yeah. yeah, Because it it does cheapen a lot of the tragedy of the play. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not going to give it a chance. Adds a lot of really dumb backstory that is kind of not necessary. I thought it worked fine, but it's not necessary. It's not poorly conceived, but like the idea of it existing at all could be offensive. Because they're not sexing it up, you're not going to get sort of a lascivious audience, like Mm -hmm. who are sort of there to see... You, you know the the prurient stuff, and because it's not about it's not strictly about you know, young lovers doing Romeo and Juliet stuff. It's a lot of it is about a mature adults dealing with affairs of state, mm-hmm. like the young teen demographic who might be interested in this a story of star-crossed lovers. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be that interested. So it's it's a show specifically for you. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> open-minded Shakespeare nerds. Yeah. So all five of us. <laughs> And I didn't even know the show existed until like a couple weeks how ago. I, how do I not know? It's so crazy. Um, yeah, so so it's um, it's hard to say whether or not it was canceled too soon because I liked what we got, and yeah. I'm not sure. It grew on me over time. Yeah, I, I grew up by the by the time the final episode came around, mm. and all the threads were coming together, and I realized that you know sometimes the show was clunky, sometimes the pacing was bad, some performances are better than others. Mm. The concept is iffy in terms of whether it's good or bad or not. But by the end of the season, I was like, you know what? They set up a lot of storylines, and they're all coming together simultaneously mm-hmm. in like a kind of suspenseful way. And I've seen a lot of other shows on on this series, on this podcast, where we see a lot of failed TV shows, and I've seen a lot of successful TV shows not pull it together by the end of a first season as well as this. Yeah. So I'm actually going to come out and say... As kind of chintzy as the show is, I'm going to come out and say I think it was canceled too soon because although maybe it was never going to be a huge hit, I would have liked to have seen some more of this. I think we would have. It would have been nice to have at least one more season, especially if it was a short season (laughs) because this this, this season was only seven episodes. We could have wrapped. If I would because can we wrap this up in a miniseries or something? Here's the inherent flaw with the setup of the show, though. Yeah, they gave everybody these really interesting backstories. How many characters are there in Romeo and Juliet? We're dealing with a finite resource here. Mm -hmm. We have to stay with those characters. If you introduce a new character, it has to be like Friar Lawrence's brother, the nurse's identical twin. No, 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 no. Or they have to start bringing in characters from Hamlet. Yes. And they have to start bringing in characters from Midsummer Night's Dream. And then they start doing like... Exactly. What what I would love to see is that the beginning of episode two, like a dog, like starts chewing on a guy's foot. It's like Prince Aeschylus. What is this dog? Get this dog away from me! And the guy says, "Come here, crab!" and picks him up and carries him away. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do a crossover with the two gen or not the two gentlemen of Verona. And <laughs> I love that. That's where you went. Yeah. I want to see an episode where someone flees pursued by a bear. 
<laughs> you know, like, he's got to do it once, right? He gets mm-hmm. good. I would like to see him like incorporate a little bit, but I think there are places they could go. We've established, you know, I for example, here's a, let's think of some Shakespeare characters they could put on the show. Mm. It's cutesy by the very nature of they're doing it. We accept that. Yeah. We're going with it anyway. Let's think of some other Shakespeare characters they could add to the show and how they could. For example, there would be one Falstaff episode. Definitely a Falstaff yeah. episode. He's visiting something. Yeah. Uh, I would. I think you could have. Uh, Kate from Taming of the Shrew be a visiting lady in the waiting who's shrewish. Like people don't like her very much. She's she's very mean. (laughs) And then maybe that proposes Kate pre-tame. Maybe post-tame. Maybe that puts Isabella in an interesting counterpoint. Everyone thinks Isabella's kind of terrible, and Mm. actually it's like, no, I could be way worse. (laughs) Have you seen her? (laughs) They're gonna have such a hard time finding someone to marry her. You know what? It takes place after the taming of the shrew. And Petruchio has now been sort of like counter tamed. Oh, that's good. I he's, like that. he's like a really kind of shy. Sorry, dear. Like really kind of timid husband now. I I like that. Yeah. That's that's a lot of fun. That works. Okay, cool. All right, good. We got one. Boom. Let's. Mm. We already got two. I guess. Uh, okay. What else? Who else can we put in here? Oh golly. Who else fits? Uh, Let's see. Can't be uh, can't be something for like specifically from British history. Like I don't want to put actually like you can't, well, Prince Hal. You can't, we can't, can't put we Prince can't have Hal. Any, well, you can have Falstaff is okay, Falstaff but Prince okay. Hal not you, so much. You can't have any of the actual characters from the histories because those are all real. Uh, unless they are characters. fictional characters that and were we added by Falstaff. We can't have any Roman characters either. So no Antony, Cleopatra, no uh, no Julius Caesar. Yes, because they're okay. all because they're all dead. That is um, true. okay. Th- that would be way too anachronistic. <laughs> uh, Othello and or Iago. You, you couldn't do Othello. You could do Iago. You could do Desdemona. Oh, Desdemona, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Iago, Iago would be a great villain. Just bring him in after the whole, like, oh, I'm so glad we finally dealt with that whole new prince thing. Now everything's well, going to be fine. Let me introduce our, have you been our new vizier? Uh, yeah, Iago. Keep in, mind, keep in mind, Iago isn't killed on stage in Othello. They say take him away and punish him, but he oh, lives. Yeah, good so, <laughs> Good. Kind of post, point. A post Othello Iago kind of still like, oh, scattering his. Benvolio and Rosalind got married and everything's great. Yeah, this is a totally happy ending. Oh, uh, oh, Benvolio's best friend Iago is visiting. This is great. Surely everything's going to go well with their marriage now. Like, that could be fun. You could do that. Um, I'm trying to think of the ones that are set in Italy. I think. Um, Merchant, merchant of Venice. Merchant of Venice. Uh, no, that one writes yeah. itself. There's, this, but, but there's a merchant could, in town. But, but you couldn't have Shylock. Why not? Well, I guess you can have Shylock. You can have Shylock. You gotta play him, I think you gotta play him differently. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, uh, can't do the negative connotation. The problem is, like, Comedy of Errors, I think, is set in Italy, and that mm. one, like, is one of those funny mistaken identity plots about identical twins, and I, I think, well, maybe that wouldn't be too silly for this show. Maybe just no. have somebody shows up and is causing shenanigans. It turns out there's two of them. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Much new about nothing is set in Italy. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Don Pedro shows up, and um, oh, who's the who's the Keanu Reeves? Who's the evil? Don one? John. Don John. Yeah. Don John's a dick. <laughs> you get Don. Oh, Dogberry shows up. You want Dogberry in the show eventually, right? <laughs> well, Dogberry's a clown though. There haven't yeah, been any sort of like clown figures. Well, why not? Let's have a clown in there. You gotta have one. But you have a tragic clown, like the Jester in King Lear. You know, like a, mm. a, a clown with some pathos to him. Yeah. Or um uh, um. Malvolio from Twelfth Night. Uh, All's well that ends well is in Italy. Okay, uh, I'm actually not as familiar with that one. That, that's that's like a be- bed hopping comedy. I'm going to trick trick you into sleeping with me, even though you're trying to cheat on me. Right, plot. Uh, would there ever be room for like puck? Or oh, like Brian? actual actual magic? Yeah, why not? Uh, they could do that. I it think. depends on where they land on that old ghost of Juliet. Yeah, thing, yeah, if that like if that was a legit ghost, and we're actually going to start incorporating supernatural stuff, 
we could get Puck in there, but that's like season four. Yeah, you gotta. You, gotta, <laughs> you really have to ease into we, the supernatural. We have to stuff. accept that we've jumped right now, the shark by that point. Right now, it's a sociopolitical drama, and if if you're starting like. They, they couldn't get Puck. Puck is too playful. You couldn't have Puck. You couldn't have uh, Titania or Oberon. But you have the Tempest. You could well. You could have like um, like Ariel from the Tempest. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the Tempest mm. is a little bit more melancholy. Yeah, or or, or the witches from Macbeth. So maybe yeah. some more like dastardly characters. Well, we've established that this is in the time of Macbeth, so the yeah. witches are probably around. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Problem solved. Um, so I forget. Did you say mm. it was canceled too soon, or did you say it was? Uh, I think it was. I okay. think it was. There, there's right. a little, at least a little bit more they could have done with this. Yeah, I was. I was pleasantly I, surprised I, by by how much I positive yeah. it would have gotten real stupid real fast. I guarantee you it would have eventually, yeah. but I kind of would have liked to have seen it get there. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not mega passionate about it, but I was impressed at how much this show grew on me. Mm. So. Kudos! I thought given, this was going to be a dumb one, and actually how, wasn't that dumb. Given how dumb the premise is, I was surprised at how good it turned out. Yeah, yeah. but you know what the show needed? Hmm. Wizards and or warriors. <laughs> I guess we had warriors. There were I guess warriors. wizards. We needed wizards. No, there were. Yeah, I guess there. Were, I guess there were some warriors. Prince was a warrior. Yeah, yeah he was was preparing for war. Battle so, soldier, yeah. dude. That was my dumb way of segueing into next week on Cancel Too Soon. We're going to be reviewing the short-lived live-action fantasy series Wizards and Warriors in the early 1980s. Mm. Woo! Wizards because and you Warriors. demanded it. That was a poll on our that, Patreon that was, page. that was a poll. That was the one that was voted for. was Wizards and Warriors. Yep. Uh, yeah, cheapy sword, sword and sandal warrior Dark Ages I've never fantasy. seen it. Have you ever seen it? No. I've heard the legends, but I've never gotten around to it. As a kid, I was always keen to play Wizards and Warriors, the Nintendo game. Ah. And I saw it played, and I never got to play myself. Remember that? Remember when you would like go over to someone else's house to play like Nintendo, and they just make you watch them because you didn't well, understand the, how jumping worked in Super Mario, and then they hated you, and you felt bad about yourself, yeah, the, and it really stuck with you the rest of your life? Yeah, in the abstract, that happened to a lot of people. Didn't yeah, it? in the abstract, like no, no, not me. <laughs> no, it's just not, not me. No. Nothing personal about this. No, no, I've I've gotten past level one of Mario, and then they ended up dating that raven-haired beauty down the block. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was one of those things where I went to a friend's house. They had Wizards and Warriors. Uh, I, you know what? I never minded watching friends play video games, especially if they were better than me. Just but, I, but I wanted I to learn. Wanted to part, I, I wanted to learn how. Right. I wanted to play. I wanted to play myself. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't until I finally got a, um, a system of my own that I actually learned how to play video games. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would play at home, but you know, if I was playing a game for the first time at a friend's house, I would get impatient with myself. I'd just yeah. hand the controller to my friend. Here, you do it. I want, I want to see this game, how, how it ends. You do it. Well, in any case, we're going to be reviewing Wizards and Warriors. Wizards and Warriors. <laughs> Not the video game. Because every month we have a poll on mm-hmm. Patreon. That's patreon.com slash critic acclaim. Uh, which is the Patreon page for all of our podcasts. If you want to listen to us do uh, movie reviews or weekly double features of some of the best and worst movies of all time, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash critic acclaim. We also have a ton of exclusive podcasts, including All Our uh, All Our Yesterdays, mm-hmm. where we review every single episode of Star Trek in production order. Uh, we have a new episode coming out uh, with Jason Inman about the classic episode, The Corbinite Maneuver, so that's mm-hmm. fun. Uh, we also have Only the Best, where we review every single nominee for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, again, in chronological order. So mm-hmm. that's been a real hoop, being able to explore the history of Hollywood. Uh, we have 
commentary tracks. We have the Kansas City Monthly Movie. We review uh, TV movies and miniseries. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff over there. We hope you check it out. Uh, if you can't afford to contribute, that's perfectly fine. We understand completely. But be sure to uh, subscribe. Subscribe to us also on uh, Twitter. We're on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. Uh, critically Acclaimed is at Critic Acclaim. if you want to follow that part of the uh, our output as well. Um, and... Um, yeah, and failing that, if you've already done all that, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes, because it really helps us out. So, uh, thank you everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed this look at Still Starcrossed. And, uh, is that it? That's it. That's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Yeah.